When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host Shanti, and sitting next to me is Scotty D, and we are in Mykonos with the amazing Dig Deeper Transformation Retreat. Let's say what's up everybody. I love this. We got a full so, house. Yeah, it is a full house. And we're here today. We're going to do something really fun. Hopefully, you guys have some really good questions ready for us. But in addition to that, a lot of people know that I do this, but I'm going to tell people and teach people how to journal about good in their lives. Usually, something like this, I would take an hour and a half to do, but I'm going to do this quick today because I know what happens. So you all here, or maybe people at home, you might have a journal. And a lot of times, people write in their journal or their diary they will write about things that happen in their life. And I believe that people are more motivated to write about struggle than to write about happy things. It's like when we're feeling incredible endorphins or we experience joy, a lot of times we hold on to the memory because it feels really good and people will journal about things that are not so great. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going through something, I have to write something down. Because I think we innately are affected by negative things more than positive things, or at least the negative things linger and those positive things are like relieving, right? So you kind of remember it, but it doesn't weigh so heavily. It's lighter. The backstory to this is I had a friend one time come visit me in Phoenix and he was going through a lot in his life. He was like super, super stressed out. And initially he was just going to come and be like, oh, I'm just coming to hang out. You know, you just go see a friend like you know, be it drinks, be at the pool, be in your Speedos, you know, work out, whatever it is that you want to do. But I left my house and I was on my way to the airport and I just was driving down the street and where we used to live, it was like a mile and a half ride to the entrance to our neighborhood, which used to be annoying, but at this day I was loving it. And you know, we have these cactus and I was just like thinking as I was on the way to the airport, like how is he going to go home feeling really great instead of just saying, hey, I went out, I visited a friend and I, you know, I just had some time off. So I'm like riding down the street and then I just, and I get to the corner and I remember seeing the CVS on the corner and I was like, I wanted a CVS and I'm going to get him a journal and we're going to, we're going to document this because I know that when 
people get around their friends or their family or people who they love and care about, they feel free to, some people call it complain, but they feel free to, to vent, right? And I knew he was going to vent to me about a lot. That's why I wanted him to come. So instead, I was like, let me pull over in the CVS. And I went and I got a journal and a pen and I picked them up. And instead of being like, hey, what's up? Yeah, we're going to have like this amazing weekend. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I want to know if you're open to the idea of journaling this trip. But instead of just telling me about the negative things that are happening in your life, we're going to dissect the negative things as well. And so this journal is called The Book of Good. And The Book of Good is derived from your struggles and how it is true that you can find so many strengths from your struggles. But it's really important for you to understand that you don't deserve the struggle. You don't deserve the challenge. And I used to say, oh, you know, being sexually abused made me who I am. And I kind of accepted that, oh, I was sexually abused. Like, yeah, go me for being successful in getting through this. But I didn't deserve it. Those strengths that come from your struggles are great, but it doesn't mean you deserved the struggle. Just because like you may have gained 30, 40, 50 pounds, like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not that you deserve to have that bad feeling. And so I said to my friend, I was like, so every time you tell me about the the problem, that something that you consider a problem, we're going to dissect it and we're going to go in it and we're going to find what is the good thing that you're learning from this situation. Not to ignore it, because the minute someone tells me that they're struggling about something, I'm like, this is your time to vent. Scott and I, when we first got together, he would just try to make me feel better. He didn't want to, like, accept the pain that I was going through because he just wanted to end my pain. And we used to get into, like, such, like, very emotionally driven. It wasn't, like, necessarily arguments. It was more of, like, why aren't you letting me be free? And he had this thing was, like, well, I don't want you to feel the pain. And I was just, like, well, why don't you want me to feel the pain? And he was, like, you know... What I did when I was younger, when I didn't want to be gay, I I would think about something else. I would hide. I would throw it away. And I'm like, well, I like to go through the bridge of emotion. I want to cry. I want to experience what this feeling is like. Because when you release yourself to be able to feel those tears, to be able to feel the truth, even if it was something you did where you completely f***ed up and you want to feel bad about yourself, absolutely. Because I want you to know what that feels like because going through that process actually helps you design basically a roadmap to make yourself feel better. And so this journal you have here, we don't have to go through the whole process right now, but I do want you to think about something that you're either struggling with right now, maybe you're coming out of it. I know we're all going through something. It could be a great transition. It could be, I use Sinji a lot because I think it's a very great thing that you're doing, which is going to run a race that's really tough, but it's also like celebratory and it's tangible to our mind. It's like, okay, like this race is going to be really tough. And so, all right, but what are you going to learn from this race, right? And you're going to learn that it just takes one more step to get one more yard. It's going to take a little bit of water. It's going to take a great mindset. But this is going to be really hard. But these are all the things that are going to like make this great. I'm going to realize that I'm powerful. I'm going to realize that I've trained enough. I'm going to realize that I went to Shanti's retreat and I still ran in the morning before he kicked my ass. Like I've dig deep. It's like, what are all the things that you're learning from the struggle at the moment? So if you have a moment right now, write down your struggle. Like what is that thing you're struggling with? And I'm going to talk through mine. So for me, I talk a lot about me transitioning into being in the fitness 
for 25 years and trying to find something that makes me glow or being selfish in the fitness. And so I'm like, oh, this is like really, really tough. What is the first thing that I feel that is good from this situation? And foundationally, every single person in here, regardless of what it is, whatever it is that you're going through, foundationally, you can be really proud of yourself for giving yourself the love and attention that you need to be present in the moment, foundationally. Because I think that a lot of times when people are present in the moment, you know, just kind of being in that moment is the celebratory state because a lot of people throw away those things or they feel sorry for themselves in those moments instead of being like, no, like this is literally the first step to me wanting to make change. And this is the first step to me wanting to literally give myself the attention to get better. In my book, I start out with congratulations. My book literally starts out congratulating you because everybody thinks you should only be congratulated when you cross the finish line, but you should congratulate yourself in the beginning for just recognizing that it is something that you need. For me personally, like as I go through my transition, I'm like, okay, what am I learning? I'm like, I went back to therapy. I made time for myself. Like how freaking amazing is not only that I made time for myself because of therapy, but I'm making myself better for my husband and my kids. This transition is really, really tough, but it's caused me to make decisions. And now I get to go home every single day after therapy to Scott, and I'm super excited. So the next thing that happens, the good that comes from me going through this transition is the communication with me and Scott. And then from that, I'm able to motivate him through things that he's stressing with. It made me become a much calmer parent. I was like, I don't have to parent like my family parented me. I don't have to say to my kid, you have to go clean your room because I said so. Because it made me think like to be a better parent, it's like, no, have the dialogue with your child. It's like, why do I have to clean my room? Well, at some point you're going to have to be responsible and, you know, cleaning up after yourself, like pop and dad is not going to always be there. And just instead of saying clean your room and there's no purpose behind it. So the communication. So I'm just saying like, as you write down that thing or those things that you struggle with and use this journal as your book of good, maybe it's an argument with your spouse and you know you wrong as hell. That argument you have with your spouse, like, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, that came from an insecurity. And so like, instead of saying like, oh, I had an argument with my spouse, that came from an insecurity. About two months ago, I woke up in the morning and I'm like very short with him. I know y'all can't imagine me being, you know, <laughs> very short. Like he was asking me something and I remember us being at the counter and I was, I was just like, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't yelling, but I was just like very short. I'm like, no, yes, boom, boom, boom. And I get in the car and I'm like a quarter of the way to the gym and I just, I think I left you a voice. I called you. No, I called you. Okay. I know it felt like I was there. <laughs> um, that's, how much, that's how heartfelt it was. But I called him and I was like, you know, I am so sorry. I was like so sad too, because I'm like, you did not deserve that. And from me having that argument, I'm like, I found the courage to be like, I'm going to own it and recognize when I'm feeling overwhelmed, where I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling short. And so I don't know why I'm crying because I hate making you sad, but you know, so it's just those things, but that's the joy that came from that. So in this book, as soon as you struggle with something, we're like, this is a struggle and like write down the good things that are coming from this struggle. And then it also helps you like, as you move on and move further 
into your life. A lot of the times that we have these moments, these insecurities, is because we're like, we never face them out front. We never recognize them. And then it just becomes easier later. For the 12 years that we were together, like I kind of always had a little bit of an issue being like, damn, I got to call him and tell him I was wrong. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to wait till later and be like, you know, wait till after we have sex when he feels good, you know? <laughs> and so like for me, I'm like, oh, that moment that I called him on the phone, like how it was like, oh my gosh, I was so wrong. Like, now I have zero problem apologizing or like recognizing right away, like that was absolutely my fault or even if it's not something that serious. So it's just an example of like things that you struggle with, things that you're going through, there's something good that's happening from it. And while this may sound morbid, <laughs> you know, like we're here until we die. We're here until we die. Like you're gonna make mistakes, life is up, it's a, nightmare a lot of times and every single one of us deals with that nightmare in our own way every single one of us but the joy is you're still breathing and you can make the next moment the next week the next month better as long as you don't put yourself in last place and don't be afraid to put yourself in first place and here's why because if you're not in first place in your life are you really living your life for you People say, like, I put my kids first. I don't. Absolutely don't put my kids first because they don't know. <laughs> I don't put them first. If I feel struggle and I can't be first, I put Scott first first, you know? But most of the time, I'm putting myself first. I'm absolutely putting myself first. Because if, even if I do put him first, am I really learning a lesson? So no, like, you are first. You are first. And if you don't put yourself first, a lot of times what happens is, those things that come from you putting yourself in last place, they're going to trickle down to other things in your life. It's going to trickle down to your relationships. It's going to trickle down to your families. And that's when those cycles continue. And there's no such thing as normal. I know a lot of you have heard me say that before. Like normal is bullshit. It's normal to breathe. It's normal to poop. You know, <laughs> it is like these, these things are normal. Like we have to do these things. But like your life as it is, doesn't have to fit in with the norm. Like if, if we put a glass roof on everyone's home and I'm just gonna take like what the world sees, I'm only gonna take heterosexual couples with two kids, one boy, one girl. Every single step in that house is gonna be different. Every conversation in that house is gonna be different. Every spirituality, religious, dinner, everything is going to look different. So be the f who you are. And that's why I love being gay. I think it's the most amazing thing in the world. I'm like, I think guys are so hot. I think my husband's so hot. Like, I couldn't imagine not being this. And I want whatever it is for you, too. Like, I love being a dancer. I, like, I love that. Like, I want you to love what and who you are. Because, like, you're only here once. You're only here once. Use this journal and like only use it for like helping you find the good in situations and in your life. And you can also use good for good too. You can always be like, I got a raise. Why did you get a raise? I worked really hard. I communicated really well. I, you know, exceeded my boss's expectation. Use this as the book of good and 
I'm going to keep this dig deeper retreat open because there's going to come a point where I'm going to be like, share your story in this thread. And the sharing of your story is part for you, but part for other people in here, because someone might be going through a struggle in that moment and they'd be like, be like, oh my gosh, that's similar to me. Or maybe it's just like a pillar of hope for your fellow retreaters. And with that said, we're going to bring Scott into play. I'm going to open the floor for questions to my incredible... You can ask both of us, but I'm going to try to make him answer. He'll be 52 this year, so I got a daddy up here with some wisdom. Let's go. <laughs> so, Scott, um, I know that it, it took you a long time in your life to kind of find your true authentic self and kind of come out of the closet, as they say. Um, I guess the question is, do you remember that moment and, like, what were you feeling and what were you going through when you realized, like, it's okay for me to be me? I absolutely remember the moment when I realized it was okay to be me. Sean and I met in October of 2010, and we then started to secretly date a little bit and spend a lot of time together, almost inseparable when we could be. And so that, of course, made me realize that the relationship that I was in, I didn't need to be in because I wasn't, I wasn't allowing myself to be who I wanted to be, or it, I wasn't thriving in it. I don't think that the person that I was with was thriving also. And so I had this realization that I didn't have to do that anymore. And it was incredible. But the specific moment was, so I had broken up uh, with the person I was with and Sean and I were working out in the morning together. And we went to Equinox, which is where we were working out. And we had finished a workout and we're sitting, having our breakfast or eating some food or whatever. And, you know, I told him, uh, you know, I broke up with him last night. The funny story is that it took me three times to break up with him, meaning I asked one, I, I said, I want to break up. And he's like, we're not going to break up. And I was like, what do you mean we're not going to break up? We're breaking up. He's like, we're not breaking up. I was like, huh? A week later, I'm like, okay, we're breaking up. And he's like, we're not breaking up. I just didn't know how to answer that. I was like, what do you mean? Like, that's just not in my vocabulary and I didn't understand it. And so I finally was able to break up and uh, I came to him in the morning and I, and we were, we'd worked out and I said, um, you know, I broke up with my ex and people are telling me that I need to spend six months by myself and just kind of, you know, I, the relationship was six years. I needed to figure out who I was and kind of be in my own space. And he said to me, you know, if that's what you need to do, I absolutely 100% support it. I just want you to be happy. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, maybe people had said that before, but I never was in the space to receive it in a moment where I was like, wait, what did you just say? Like, it's okay for me to do something that I want to do. Like, because I was always doing everything for everyone else because I want, that was my distraction for being gay. Like I knew I was gay and if I did everything for everyone else, they wouldn't actually see me as a person who was gay or they wouldn't care maybe. And so uh, he said, I just want you to be happy. And I was like, wow, okay. And so we ended the conversation. We weren't going to go our separate ways, but we were kind of, I was going to take a break, I guess. And he slid something into my pocket. Earlier that day in the locker room. Yeah. I slipped it in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. But his pants was in the locker. Stop being fresh. <laughs> so that day, maybe around two o'clock, I'm walking around New York City. I'm doing errands. I'm doing something, whatever. And I reach into my pocket and I see, I can't with me, actually. I carry it with me everywhere I go. Oh my 
it's a little note that says, this is your smile card. And if you ever need to smile, you look at this and know that it's a smile from me. Something to that and regard. And a hug. And a too. hug, yeah. And I literally, I look at this and this was the moment I was like, what the f*** am I doing? Like, why am I not with him? This person makes me happy and this is something that I want to do. And I've never done it before. I, I called you or texted you, you texted and me. said, I'm coming over and I'm bringing a bottle of wine. Yeah. And I remember showing up the door and I was like, when I see him, I'm going to kiss him. And we kissed and we... And the funny thing is, like, before he came to the house, I was with Darren. A lot of, some of you probably heard this story before, but I was with my friend Darren and I was like, you know what? When he opens the door, I'm just going to kiss him and then I'm going to know. Because I was still like, I was still like, this guy wants to be alone. Like, I'm not, I kind of let go of the selfish part of me. Like, damn, like, I thought this was going to be the person I was going to be with, with forever. But I was just like, you know what? If this is going to make him happy, I'm like, I'd much rather him be happy. And I'll deal with the emotion behind it later. And then I said to Darren, I was like, you know, I'm just going to kiss him when he opens the door and let's see. And he said the same thing to himself. And we kissed. And sparks flew. But anyway. <laughs> so I, it was the moment at, at Equinox. I say it was before I met Sean, it, I live life in black and white. And after, I live in color. So. Oh. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have to tell you guys right now, one of the most incredible things that I've done in my life and I still do in my life is therapy. I have gone to therapy for the last 15 years and it has really brought me so much joy in my life, even in times where I didn't even think joy was a part of my life. And I know that 2024 is going by so fast and all of you have had New Year's resolutions and all of these goals and dreams and life has gotten in the way and you are like, how in the world am I going to get through this? Well, when life goes by so fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the day, the week, the month and the year. And because I've benefited from therapy so much, it is so important for me to tell you about BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It's all about you. It's all about improving your mental health. So take a moment. Take a moment for you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sean T today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sean T. Next question. So 
Uh, we all know that sign you were a model for Nike. You shared that with us. And Scott last night, you shared that you were a model as well. Uh, what makes a good model other than being good looking? And what did you enjoy about being a model? What makes a good model? I think it's what would make a good parent or a good fitness trainer or a good accountant. It's something that you are passionate about and study and learn and want to, uh, like soccer was a passion of mine. So I played it. I, I remember my parents telling me that I used to dribble a soccer ball around the house everywhere I went. And I just, I put in my 10,000 hours, which, you know, that they say the, the outliers book by Malcolm Gladwell, I think is that if you put in 10,000 hours, you become an expert in whatever it is. And so, I mean, I was a model, but I was not good. Like I just happened to have a face that people liked and wanted yes, to take do, pictures man. of, but it's about having that passion for it and understanding it and, and wanting to be willing to work and do whatever it took to to be what it is that you want to be. So for me, I knew as a kid three things. I knew <laughs> I was going to be part of the Dell Sonics, which was the high school jazz choir. Don't know why. I was in. I remember being in elementary school, and the high school choir would come around and sing like Christmas things, you know, whatever. And they came to our school, and I was like, "Wow, these guys are f amazing!" Like, did I don't you know say why. That as a kid, I absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow, the Dell Sonics are so cool!" So I knew I was going to be in the Dell Sonics. I knew I was going to be a professional soccer player. I had no idea why. I just that was what I was going to do. And the third thing is I knew I was going to be on Jeopardy. I haven't been on Jeopardy yet, but <laughs> I was that close. I was that close. But what makes a good model, I think, is just being passionate about what it is that you want to do and then dive both feet first. I have a really quick story. I think that it, so that's a great answer from the model perspective. I think also what makes a great model is like every time I, I go do a photo shoot, I go in and I'm like, I say to the photographer, I'm like, you just have to let me be me and I need to put on Nicki Minaj and I just need to be free. And I just feel like letting go of the barriers, you know, like literally releasing every barrier you have to be out there, especially when it's photography, but then most of my modeling was on stage and it involved like movement and dance and you just have to like live in the moment. But the reality of the reality of the reality is as many models, the modeling industry is very much representative of the world itself. Everybody has insecurities, even the people who you think is are most beautiful. In some ways it's segregated, you know, it's like, the thin, the plus size, this, that, you know, like, and, it, and it's kind of crazy. So honestly, what makes a good model is like what everyone should do is just kind of unleash their confidence. Just like he loves RuPaul's Drag Race. And when those drag queens come out on the stage, bitch, they just slay. Because yeah. they're just like, I don't know what you want me to do. So if, if you ever have a chance to go to the palace, it's in Miami. I don't know when I'm going back there. But whenever you get a chance to go to the palace, in Miami to this this drag show, it is unreal. And it's just so amazing. And it's like kind of like the epitome of like modeling and just like being free. So yeah. I think the freer you are. And of course, you have to be trending, you know. <laughs> trending. Hashtag it's weird. Okay, was there a second part of that question? There was uh, what did you enjoy about? Oh. oh. I don't know if I enjoyed it. I remember it took me a year to book my first first job. And uh, my first job was in Cosmo. 
And uh, I was I was so excited because I was like, a full day, I'm gonna be rich, right? Like, <laughs> models make lots of money, right? Editorial work is the least pay. Like, you make $75 and you work like 20 hours. Not so anymore. Easy. That was back in 1492. That was in 1492, <laughs> where they 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 took um, gunpowder and took sh uh, pictures of people. <laughs> But you know the the most coveted thing to have as a model is a is a picture from an editorial magazine because that's showing that you're working you know doing stuff and so I remember that there was a day where I was going to all these castings and I wasn't booking anything and I was like I don't understand why these people aren't booking me because I'm so right for the job because I was so confident in, in what I was doing and what I was there for and two two things happened one I walked into a casting one day and I was like wow, there's some really hot people in here and I am not the hottest person in the room. I'm not the prettiest, I'm not the smartest, I'm not whatever. And that kind of freed me because I was like, I was trying to be the best in a world where I wasn't the best. And there's, you know, sometimes they're looking for a guy like me and sometimes they're looking for a guy like you and I can't be this guy. So if I'm not this guy, I'm not gonna book this job. It was a freeing moment for me to be like, I can only be myself. And if I'm myself, then I will, I will book jobs. And I started booking jobs because I just I was just going in and being myself and not trying to be someone else. And then the other thing was, I remember after working some time and I was like, I wanna, <laughs> I said to someone, I wanna cure cancer with my modeling. I wanted to book that job that was monumental. It was, and I was like, it's modeling, <laughs> right? Because I'm such an overachiever, I'm like, I wanna be able to like cure the world's problems with this photo shoot or whatever. And I was like, let's put it into perspective here. <laughs> it's a photo shoot and it's fashion. And while it means a lot, don't get me wrong, sorry, Anna Wintour, but it really means a lot, but I wasn't going to cure cancer. I have to re I'd put it in perspective. This so. is coming from a guy who thinks that if he smokes weed, it's gonna mess up his chance of being a president of the United States one day. <laughs> It's true. He really thinks he's gonna be the president and I'm happy for him. I'm like, <laughs> need I will definitely be the first lady. <laughs> Michelle Obama, you ain't got nothing on me, honey. <laughs> Those pool parties at the White House? Oh, they would be, oh my God. Our country would be a party. Carlton, yes, yes. let's move on from that. <laughs> okay, so my question is, so you're both clearly very popular, very personable, very attractive people. I can't imagine the uh, offers that you get of like all kinds of two of you. I'm wondering with Shanti being a more outward facing person, how you manage yourself. How do I manage the offers that my husband receives? I'm like, yeah, bitch, he's hot. Like, have you seen him? Like, this is the sexiest person in the universe in my eyes. So I understand how other people would see him as such. Great. So it's a massive compliment. I'm like, absolutely. I am also like, I'm the one that gets to sleep with him at night. So it's like, I have a lot of comfort in that, that every night we go to bed, we're, if we're not hugging or cuddling, I at least have my hand on his butt Somewhere or in his hand. Just like, like we fall asleep touching each other. Even when we're away, we will always be the last person that we talk to or text with, you know, before we go to sleep. I also think that it's part of the job. Like he is the outward facing and we all have people on our wish list, if you will, that we want to meet or talk to, you know, and uh, I, th I think it's important for people to have that. And if this is the person that they want to offer up things to, you know, shoot your shot, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm like, I, I get to be with my bay balls. And I think that 
But I also, I mean, I feel obviously the same, but I also, our relationship is, we have zero secrets. Like that is our one rule. Like we literally don't have any secrets at all. So we, all we have is trust, like foundationally. Like we've never been in an argument where it's been like, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. We've never been in a bad place. Like we've been in bad struggles. Like when we were trying to have our kids, like that was a really that was challenging and testing, but it didn't come over like, if we can't do this, we can't be together, right? Because we just never had secrets. And so I think that that goes into maybe a little bit of your answer, not for you, but around it. It's like, okay, like, you know, if I get hit on, like, and when I get pictures in my DMs, I like, I'm the first say, person you show, I'm like, oh, my God. Just know when you offer up, you're showing it to me also. Now he, meaning, meaning he does automatically, but it's like, if you think you're only sending it to him, I get to see it too. Nope. So. If someone sends me, I'm like, I'm not opening this until I'm next to Scott. We never have to guess. And if we do, if we are questioning something, we're allowed to ask. 100%. And there were certain parts of that where we had to get to in our relationship with because he came from a family that didn't really open up much about things like they didn't talk and I came from a family that was just loud as fuck (laughs) you know and we just say what we want to say or whatever in certain situations so yeah we just have no secrets I recommend that if that's like having been lived with a secret all my life and being able to now not have secrets is so liberating and freeing that there's a there's a just this unconscious weight on your shoulders when you have a secret or you're not telling the truth about something that when you let it go let it go it's freeing that so i I suggest if that's an option for people to do it thank thank you you. for the question cindy yeah just following what you just said the last sentence was it hard being to be like not sharing and all of a sudden you were, you know, like, was it difficult for you to, to see everything that you feel as compared to, to before? Was it difficult for me to one day be not open and the next day next? There was a transition period. There were times when I was around him and I say it didn't really come out until I was 38, that I was thinking about pronouns that I was using beforehand that I didn't have to use before or use now. I think there's definitely a transition. I think there are times when I still struggle with, you know, the baggage of of having secrets and things, whatever. I'd say there's a there was a transition, but it was more of like, this is the best thing ever, and I I want to keep doing it because uh, it just it's such a positive impact when you don't have to worry about that stuff. Um, so I'm going to worry about everybody in that insecurity. So yeah. What is or was your biggest insecurity and how did you overcome it? Oh, what is my biggest insecurity? I wonder if I'm good enough for my husband. Confidence sometimes, belief in yourself. I think the thing that always grounds me is that he's been with me for 10, 12, 13 years, and there's something about me that he likes. So I need to continue to be me because the minute I'm not me, you know, that's not what he booked. Like when we have a friend that says, when you meet your your partner or boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, for the first time, that's how they were booked. Like a gig, you got booked for a job. I got booked for this job being myself. And so if I ever have, I'm in a spot where I'm not myself, I should, my base is that my babies loves me for who I am. And so I need to be that. So I think it's probably a confidence thing. 
the thing that he's insecure about doesn't even in any way, shape, or form cross my mind. It, it's just so, like, I don't think about it. So I used to be like, well, why are you insecure about that? But I'm like, that's your thing. And so I always say, you have to go find out where that came from because you had that leading up to me, mm-hmm. you know, just like I know that I didn't, I couldn't accept love correctly mm-hmm. when we first met and I knew where that came from, you know? Mm-hmm we go to the very root of it is I was a three-year-old, four-year-old kid realizing that I liked boys and I knew that that wasn't acceptable. And so there's that fear that no one for a large period of my, uh, large period of my time, my life, uh, people didn't like me for who I was. Air quote. So that's a struggle. And I mean, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of baggage to unpack. And, you know, it's funny. He's always like, you always talk about when we do podcasts or stuff about how you struggled when you were a kid. Is there ever a moment where you're going to, I don't mean this in a, a bad way. He didn't, he didn't say it like this. He's like, are you going to move past that? And I think I am authentically okay with it. Like this was the, the journey. I hate the journey. It's now the cliche. This is the journey <laughs> I was on to get to be with him and to be with my life and to be here in Mykonos and to have two kids and wonderful nannies. And so I accept that. And I accept that that was who I was and who I am now. And uh, I'm authentically okay with it. And it's not, it's not a negative aspect. I don't look back at it and say, oh, that's so horrible. And I wish it would go away. There were times when I was literally like, I don't want to be gay. I'll do anything I can not to be gay, you know? And so I'm past that. And I'm okay with that was the struggle that I was on. So. So now we have to work on you thinking that I don't think you're good. Yeah. Enough. Because let me tell you, you are good. <laughs> I mean, he's just incredibly kind. I feel if I'm ever struggling, he it literally is my security blanket. I fall asleep best if my back is up against him, you know. So there's a lot of things that you provide to me <laughs> that make me feel great. You know, every, I think, like I said, you could seem amazing or, or have no faults or, you know, everyone has yeah. something and... Does it overwhelm me? No, but it's something I think about. And it was something that was on top of my head. So that was, you know, so that was that. (laughs) Yes, Crystal. So I think as we get into your 40s and 50s, we realize that there's less time ahead and we view life a little differently than when, say, we were 20, 30. Uh, How has your view, you know, changed and how do you look? at your next say your fifties and how you want to do it. Great question. Thank you. How do I view being in my fifties? I don't consider myself 50. Like I really feel like I'm like 34, 35. I don't know what 50 is supposed to feel like. I remember when my parents were 50 and I was like, oh wow, that's 50, you know? <laughs> and I don't feel that. So I don't I, I don't know what that's supposed to feel like. What I can say is that I, <laughs> you might think this is funny, I care less about shit that I used, I used to sweat the small stuff. I used to get stomach aches. I used to get canker sores. I like from stress. And uh, I do that less. And I will be nice when I say this. I look at people who are younger than me that are going through stuff and I'm like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> like, you know, like I was there once. Like, 
you know, it'll be okay. I, I promise. <laughs> so uh, it's it's nice to have experience to be able to understand and help other people. I haven't got to the stage yet where I'm looking forward to see what the next 10 years or 20 years. One thing dealing with parental health is a new thing for us that is scary. So that is something that's in the forefront. But as far as looking ahead, like, I think someone asked you the other day, you know, do you have a five-year plan or 10-year plan? Or we were talking about something and, and I don't, I don't ever look at like that. Like I'm living in the moment. I'm with my husband in Mykonos. Like, I'm like, okay, next, after we answer these wonderful questions, we're going to go work out. We're going to go walk the town. We're going to go live our life and, you know, do fun things. And he's going to get a tattoo. And, and so I'm like, what's next? You know, well, I'm will, more like short-term than necessarily long-term. I will say, you know, to like hone in on one part of your question. And I know Michael said something in relation to this the other day, as far as like age and time. Like Scott is the one person that does not, he does not say, okay, I'm 50 now. Like, let's say I live to hundred half, my life is over. He literally does not look at time like that. And I do, I'm like, okay, my kids are going to be 40. I'm going to be 79. Like I pray that I'm still here. And then like when they're 50, you know, then I'm like, oh, that's probably when I'm going to start to die. Like I do. No, 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 no. Like I do. Like that's how I do that. Like my anxiety takes me to that and he is the complete opposite he literally does not in any way shape or form count the time he has left to the point where it is like the strength and it is also the the struggle part but it's not really a struggle it's like it's kind of funny because yeah. like he will finish getting ready for something like 20 minutes ahead of time, but then he'll like pick up his computer he'll like make himself busy and then he ends up being late because he started <laughs> another project and I'm so like, no, I have to be ready. I need to be early. I need to be sitting there doing nothing because I need whatever, whatever. And, you know, it's also like my brain of like, okay, how much time do I have left on this earth? And so I've balanced some of his mindset when it comes to like, who cares if you're 64? Like, you know, you ain't dead yet kind of process. So, yeah. I mean, there's often times I'm like, golly like if you know if we have if we go to the doctor and we have to wait for test results like i am googling i'm like what is this what is this what is this and I'm like you're not stressed he's like i don't know what the test results are you know it's like that kind of mentality that he has it's like super calming what are the facts you know what are the facts the facts are i can't control what's going to happen i don't know where i'm going to be i i think i know what i'm going to be doing tomorrow but i don't know you know and that's kind of the excitement like with him, we could be in Africa tomorrow. Like literally, that's how our life is. I'm and like, Mackenzie, can you bring the kids? Yes, like it could be that, that uh, and I love that. There were days when I was growing up where my, the most fun I had during the day was going to the mailbox to see what mail was coming in. Anyway, so thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, Scott. So you shared a little bit of your story. Mm -hmm. uh, so I come to the two-part question. On your journey, as your path to where you are now, mm -hmm. did you, for either one of you, have people that marginalize or undervalue you in your path? Second part is, how do you go from the period of unacceptable holding for others to now? First question, did people marginalize who I was? Yes. I think because uh, I've never been asked that question before. And my instant thought is they absolutely did because I knew they were gay and they would tease me and they would say, you're a fag, you're, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so that said to me that these people were marginalizing who I was as a person and how did I make it past and be where I am today is having a spouse that was my ride or die, and I know that I don't have to worry about, like, if he loves me or believes in me, then that's all that matters. Whether it's a friend or what. So I don't think I really understood what a ride or die friend was until I met one person. His name's DB, and he really in introduced me to the concept. But meeting Sean was the moment where I had said earlier that it was like when he told me that you can, you know, go and do whatever you want. And I was like, oh, wow, like, that is so powerful that that now I know I can be myself. And like I said, being yourself is, people come to me at events similar to this and they're like, you inspire me. And I'm, I think to myself, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm not leading a fitness class and motivating people. I'm not uh, giving tax advice. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not a painter. You know, I don't, I don't sing songs. I don't do anything. I'm just being me. And there's an internal realization that, wow, that's pretty powerful in itself. So that's, again, a grounding point where, thank you for saying that I'm just being me. And there's so much immense power in just being yourself. And being silent is also being just as loud yeah. oftentimes. But I wanted to make reference to the second part of your question, which is like, how do you go from kind of not being yourself to being who you are? You know, my answer is going to sound very elementary. If I'm saying... Yes, I'm going to act the way that you want me to act and be the way that you want me to be. Then I'm saying no to my life and I'm saying no to myself. When you say yes to them, you're saying no to you. Yeah. And these people who you are saying yes to and these people who you are hiding or changing or formulating your life around aren't thinking about you 24 hours a day. They're thinking about you in fragmented time. But for 24 hours a day, you are thinking about pleasing them. You know, why should this person over here be able to live their life and be happy and go to the parties and not have to worry about if if people like me or not? Like, why do I? I'm like, well, I'm just not going to be around you. I'm just going to go around to people who do want to be with me. And it really starts with that. However, that if this pertains to you or maybe somebody else, how do I get to a point where I can become free? And I'm like. Start hanging out with people who are going to accept you for who you are. Just like I did in my podcast a couple of weeks ago when I talked about my birthday. I'm like, surround yourself with people who smile when they see you coming. Why the f 
am I going to keep on going around people who are going to frown if they know who I really am? And yes, you can hide it from those people who won't accept you. But by being around people who do accept you, you start to realize and experience what it is like to be free. And then you build, you build a force field of positivity or maybe you just build a, a sea of love for yourself that these other people, while they do mean a lot to you, their love is ancillary because, and, and oftentimes it's non-existent because they don't accept you for who you are. The other thing I'll say is, a lot of the people who you don't think, I would say 80% of the people will accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're hiding with you, you know, because they want your feelings to be protected too. So they go with the flow. But there will be people who are like, no, nah, I can't be around you because like you like cats. You know, like there will be people like that. And the last thing I'll say when it comes to being free to who you really are. Yes, for some people it's really bad, but oftentimes the reality is never as bad as you make it because you can't predict the future. Like you're not that powerful. And if you were, you'd be a billionaire. Like, you know what I mean? We would be living on Mars right now if you could predict the future, right? So instead of predict the future, live in your space, live in your truth and be 100% authentic to who you are and fuck everybody else. There was, I experienced this, <laughs> this life-changing moment in, on Roosevelt Island in New York City in the Ford Edge driving with Sean. We're driving to tennis and his, his mom called us and she was on the speaker on the phone. She's like, hey, sons. And she's like, Sean, you know, she says in her Jersey accent. She's like, um, Artiana came home today just crying her eyes out. She's like, oh God, why she do that? Because this boy didn't like her. And I told her, this is Sean's mom. I told her there are plenty of other you know, people in this world that can like you, that you don't have to worry about this boy, right? I nearly fell out of, I was driving and I was like, I don't know why this hit home, but it did. I was like, wow. Like this woman just changed my life by saying, you know, not everyone is gonna like you and that's okay. And you don't like everyone. There are people we don't like. So why do we expect everyone to like us? So like Sean said, if you can find the people that, that smile when you walk up, that's, that's a win. And I know you hear that being from Jersey, like, bitch, they don't got like me. Like, us Jer he, he's from Seattle, so they're a little bit more, you know. But when you're from where we're from, we're like, you don't like me? I'm just gonna go hang out with the next one. Yeah. Final pregunta. Scott, what is the one quality that Sean pulls out of you that makes you like yourself more? The one quality that Sean, I don't know if it's a quality, but more of a concept of he, 100% makes me live outside my comfort zone and I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it. But on the other side, I look back and I'm like, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> you know, like, wow, okay, so maybe that wasn't so bad and that, that all these barriers that I have internally set for myself, you know, because I like a pattern and I like my routine, there's comfort in that, but he pulls me out and we go and do something and I'm like, no. And then I get done, I'm like, yes. So that's, yeah. that, that's what he does. I would love to answer that about him, you know, the other side. And it is just truly like his ability to be like, what the f are you stressed about? You know, just like, I'm like way up here. I'm like, I got to do this. And he's over there like, you know, giving himself a manicure. Like, <laughs> 
honestly, that's what it was like when we first got together. And now I'm like, even in moments where we're either like in deep discussions about business or personal stuff or trying to make decisions, times in which I used to get really like riled up, not mad. Like, I'm just like, you know. He's Jersey. I'm Jersey. <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, okay, like, that's cool. You know, I'm like, all right, that's fine. I think, yeah, there's some of it that comes with age. But a lot of it is like literally osmosis. Like this dude, <laughs> literally, and I'm a, I'm a fucking nightmare. Like, well, I used to be. When we first got together, I'm like, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna put. I want to see how long it takes him to like get really, really mad at me. I didn't know what love was, like true love. So what I used to do is I used to be like, I'm gonna push the button. I'm gonna push the button. I'm gonna see when he's gonna leave. I'm gonna get to him, get him to a point where I'm gonna lash up. And Scott would like never break. Like he would never break. And then. In times where he would just go a little bit elevated, then I would like pull back because I was like testing. And so it's, it's just kind of like really amazing now to have obviously done a lot of work within myself, but even when I stress, like my anxiety moments take over, like his teachings of like, what the fuck are you stressing What about? are the facts? Yeah, I'm like, the facts don't say shit that my in inner brain is thinking, <laughs> you know? The facts are not, it is not two plus two over here. No. <laughs> But thank you guys so much for yeah. the questions and, and Those you know, are great questions. obviously for joining this experience. This has been great. Like I said, this derived from me going to therapy in a therapeutic space and me being able to conquer my mind and be brave. And I just think that the universe or God or the energies or our past lives, a lot of us believe in different things, but that, you know, right place, right time brought us all here together. Like, I think that however much you enjoyed this experience, if you take your proudest moment here, your most enjoyable moment here, we're all adults. It wasn't you booking the plane ticket that got you here. That's not what got you here. It started way before that. It started way, 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 way long ago when you either said, this motherfucker's on my TV at 3 a.m. and I need to buy this. So I'm eating chips. So maybe you're just like scrolling on Instagram and you're like, but let's think about it then. It even started way before that because you had to be at a place for our energies to connect to. So like think about all the decisions you made in your life to get to this moment and get to that moment of where you felt joy during this experience and, and really celebrate that. And, and you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I want to thank God or the universe or whatever you do. Like, I'm like, thank you. Cause this is like, this is a room full of really great energy and respectful people. And so with that said, we thank you very much for being here. Continue to trust and believe in who you are. And thank you.